You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're queuing up at the gates in Fab Facts. We're getting our dictators in a twist in the randomizer. Andrew E.C. Gasker is here to tell us more about his love for Space 1999. That's all coming up in Pod 249. Of the Jerry Anderson Podcast. <laughs> right, my love? Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Now, just because I praised you so much for your bruisey bonus last yes, week, I don't think we need to carry on with it out okay. of context. Because if somebody's come to the podcast for the first time, they've now Ooh. heard you do a weird, weird Brucey, yeah. Brucey Forsyth yeah. impression. Yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And now I feel I've got... Yeah, I don't need to explain, though. Let's just move on. Let's, let's forget Let's it. move I'm on. Sorry, I'm sorry I did it, and I won't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Please, please, please. <laughs> Please, Please stop. stop. Uh, my name <laughs> oh, is yes. Jamie Anderson. Oh, that makes sense now because this is the Jerry Anderson podcast. What does that I make sense? See. Oh, oh, you're, you're, you're Jamie Anderson. Anderson. So there's yeah. a connection there. I'm Richard James. And what's your connection to all well, this? Well, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I know what it is. Well, I mean, you could hazard a guess, couldn't you? It's that you once scared me as a child. I was, yes, and I'm, I was number two in the best monsters from Space Precinct. Absolutely. That's my biggest claim to fame. Both of those things occurred uh, at, via Pinewood Studios in the 1990s. And here yes. we are, all these years later, nearly 30 years later. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> still talking about the same old nonsense. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Goodness me. Uh, but as well as our nonsense, there is also... Someone who speaks about randomly selected nonsense, which ah. you might think would be more nonsensical, but is in fact much more sensical. It's a weird um, kind of sense, yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. And the sensical randomizer is Chris Dale, and he'll be joining us later with his big red button, uh, which is mounted upon his randomizer, a machine which randomly chooses a random Jerry Anderson episode, and he watches it and says things which are most thoughtful, incisive, and often amusing. Very often, yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. People laugh all the time. So yeah, uh, it was do. it was Captain Scarlet last week, if you didn't hear it, Creator 101. Oh. So you might want to go back and listen if That's you want right. to get a flavour for Chris's randomizer, or mm. it'll be a surprise for you if you've never heard it before at the end of this mm. podcast. Or if mm. you know what's coming, it'll <gasps> be a sort of reassuring hug. Hang on, how will they know what's coming? No, as in the fact that there's a randomizer. Oh, I see. Not, not the fact that not, it's no, they know it what's coming, because we don't know what? what's coming yet. No, it could be Thunderbirds, could be mm. Space Precinct, Stingray. Fireball XR5? Yeah. Any tugs? of those things. All yeah. those, well, I shouldn't be tugs, but let's not get into that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. So I thought today right. we could present what's coming up in an oh. alternating fashion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we could try that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'll start. Oh, you'll start. Okay. When we've stopped doing this intro thing, we'll be yes. doing Fab Facts, where I give you a random fab fact from a book of fab facts, and it's a fab fact about a Jerry Anderson thing, and Richard loves them. Yes, and when he stopped doing that and pretending that I love them, we'll then be giving you a bit of Jerry Anderson news from the worlds of Jerry Anderson, because there's always news from the Anderson universe. 
That's very true. Uh, and some of that news, in fact, is encapsulated in the interview with Andrew E.C. Gasker, who's talking about the Space 1999 graphic novel to everything that was, as well as Aftershock and Awe and other potential Space 1999 projects. And after the Aftershock and Awe, we had the randomizer, as mentioned already, from Chris Dale. Well, that must be the awe, but sprinkled throughout. Ah! Uh. Our messages and thoughts yeah. Yeah. and missives from our lovely podsterons. Missives? Is that right? Yeah, all right. Good. <coughs> uh, who've been sharing things with us across Twitter, mm-hmm. YouTube, mm-hmm. email, and of course, our Facebook group. Facebook.com yes. slash groups slash podsterons. Yeah, um, that's it. The best place on the internet. It really is. And that's, you know, the nice terms and conditions apply. We can't guarantee that it is, but it's, pre- it's pretty lovely. The people there are <laughs> really lovely. Well, listen, if you know of a better place on the internet, internet, let us know. Yes, email then, then we'll us. we'll be sure. Email yeah. us podcast at jerryanson.com. Yeah. Keep it clean. <laughs> <coughs> yes, please do. You'll be filtered out and blocked. Yeah. Uh, I thought that went quite well. Well, I quite liked that, yes. Yeah. Nice yeah. to spread the load a bit. Yeah, good. Well, mm. since you're all for spreading the load, yeah. uh, do you want to try something new in Fab Facts? Uh, all right. Okay. Here comes this week's Fab Facts. Now I'm scared. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. Okay, so this is Fab Facts. Yes. And normally, right. I would have a book of Fab Facts. Yeah. And uh, I would flick through it and Richard would shout Fab. That's right, yes. And I would stop flicking and then yeah. there would be a Fab Fact on the page and I would read it and Richard would, you know, joke about it not being Fab. And um... Yeah, well, that's right. That's what we normally do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so since you're in the mood of changing things up, Keeping things mm-hmm. fresh, you know. Well, maybe just the once. Uh, okay, well, let's try it just this once. This week, yeah. Not only, Richard, would I like you to read the fab fact. Okay. But the fab fact, yeah, is not coming from the book of fab facts. What? What? What heresy is this? Well, it's a fab sort of heresy. Uh, but in <laughs> fact, this fab fact was brought to our attention by Podstron Neil Green. Oh, uh, yes. And he'll has posted about this in our Facebook group, which anyone can join and is the loveliest place on the internet, as we've already mentioned. Oh, right, okay. At facebook.com slash groups slash podsterons. Yes. So, Richard, uh, if you just scroll down. Yeah, I'm on the group now, yes. Yeah, keep scrolling, keep scrolling, and you'll yeah, see this post by Neil. There's Roger Smith's model shots. There's, oh, there's Willow's photographs. Oh, there's uh, Jenny Davis at the uh, cartoon exhibition. Oh, sorry, yes. Who am I looking for? Neil Green. Got him. Yes. Yeah. Did you mm-hmm. see the, did you see the ah. fact back there? Oh, I see. <clears throat> All right, let's have a quick... So, if you have a look at that, and then you can turn uh, Neil's post into a fab fact. Right. Okay, this is interesting. Well, well, Jamie, do you remember... Do you remember Mad Magazine? I have heard of it, but I don't think I've ever seen a copy. Mad Magazine was an American humour magazine featuring notorious satire. First published in 1952, and a British version, I think, began rolling off the presses in 1959. Cool. Now, naturally, you couldn't have a pop culture parody magazine without bumping into an Anderson show or two. Ah. And, as luck would have it, in edition 185, the intrepid duo of writer Hitch Hitchings and artist Alf Sparito tackled Space 1999 in the form of Spaced 1999. I see what they did there. Yeah. Now, in the comic, Koenig, Bergman and Russell fly out to a, uh, in a budgie to go and find a habitable <laughs> planet for the Alphans to live on. And the fastest way to do this is to dial Rent-A-Planet, apparently. Of course it is. It makes perfect yeah. sense. What, what else would you do? 
Now, after some technical problems, they find themselves in what appears to be planet Earth in the 1970s. Very exciting. I remember very well. <laughs> uh, soon, however, the planet is revealed as Sirius Lugradius. <laughs> you think that might be Lugradius? <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, it's revealed to Sirius Lugradius. Uh, Lugradius, a television executive the size of a solar system. And just when things couldn't get stranger, international rescue appear. Scott, Virgil, Gordon and Brains hijack the moon with plans to make their own version of Space 1999 called Thunderbirds 1999. Of course they did. Could happen. <laughs> According to the parody Brains, bringing back the Thunderbirds characters will lead to less puppet-like performances. Ouch. Bit harsh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, you could read the whole comic there in Neil's post on our Facebook group or on the Catacomb Space 1999 fan site. Now, the question is this. What are your favourite Jerry Anderson parodies? Can Ooh. you think of any? Well, I mean, there was that recent um, Viz Joe 90 parody, wasn't there? Ah, right. Where they found elderly Joe yes. and helped him. They got him to help them and put him in the big rat. And yeah. um, Nice. And he died. Yeah. Sadly. Well, <laughs> uh, on a cheerier note, let oh, us sorry. know if you've heard of any other parodies. Just drop us a line. Podcast at jerryanderson.com. And I'll read them out. Or Jamie will read them out. Someone will. Someone will, yeah. Gosh, who Ooh. knows when, when things are all discombobulated like they I are know. today. Do, Ooh, sixes and sevens. Do you feel a bit like when you've drunk from a can or a cup and you can't remember how much you've drunk and then when you lift it, it's a lot less heavy than you thought? And it ends up lifting up further because you put more effort into lifting. Do you know what I mean? No, no. I tell you how I feel. Oh. I think I got to the end of the steps. So I think I'm about to encounter solid level ground. Ah. But actually, there's another step. Or I think there's another step and my foot encounters solid level ground. Yes. That's how I feel. Okay. Slightly off kilter. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I, oh, it's the same. It? It's the similar thing, I think. I it's don't good. like Ooh. it. And okay. I, think, I think next week, Fab Facts should go back to... Fat the facts. usual iteration. Okay, fine. Well, that's hit Control Z, or uh, good, or, yeah. or Apple Key yeah, Z, uh, yeah. and and not do this again for next week. <laughs> but for this time, yes, does that bring us to the end of this week's Facebook Fact? What? Oh, it was a well, magazine, and you okay. could have had facts. Yeah, but it was on our Facebook. And group. we changed things up and you made see, it a I, bit mad. I and made you feel you. a bit mad. I told you it was a bad idea. Well, I, I told you. I sort of enjoyed it anyway. Thank yeah, you. me too. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, great. Uh, yes, you can read more posts like that, of course, on our Facebook group. We'll be coming to that a bit later on. But in the meantime, mm. would you like to hear some emails from our lovely Podserons? Uh, I don't know. Not this uh, week, actually. Uh, right, no, really of course sure? I do. Of course <laughs> I do. Tom Poynton got in touch to say, Hi all, I thought I'd drop you a message to let you know how well it went introducing my four-year-old daughter to the wonderful world of Anderson." It began by showing her a photo of Fab One and Lady Penelope, who she became somewhat besotted with. Aww. So, off to Thunderbirds on Britbox. It was to start the series proper with Trapped in the Sky. Yes. Within a few minutes, the hood had terrified her and she made me turn the television off. Oh. Hmm. Since then, every few days, she reminds me that the hood is very scary and I shouldn't have shown her. Oh. Well, we live and learn, I suppose, says Tom. Maybe I should try her watching Tugs instead. I love that show. Uh, keep up the good work. Maybe a spin-off. The David Mitten podcast should be in the pipeline. Kind regards, Tom Poynton. Oh, 
Well, sorry about the scaring, but also good yeah. work on the parenting. Absolutely right. Yeah, she, you know, she'll come back to it one day. They always do. Uh, Matt got in touch to say, Richard and Jamie, I recently finished watching The Protectors as part of my uh, part of my Anderthon, and it's an interesting series. I don't think if it wasn't an Anderson show, I wouldn't have watched it. There's a lot of double negatives in there, but we get the sense, don't we? Yes. It's not a genre of show that is particularly entertaining to me. However, it was quite an interesting series. I see what Chris means when it's on the randomizer that it is a good series. There are some good stories and some average stories, just that some on the more average end have appeared more often. Uh, You could tell by the second series that they've realised what stories work on the show and what don't, as it was more enjoyable and, in my ratings, had a higher average. I wonder where this fits on the rest of the 70s detective show pantheon, asks Matt. I don't know what others think, but for me, the Countessa was the most interesting of the regulars in the series. Quite well written, but Nairi Dawn Porter played her well. On a side note, I'm kind of envious of the boots that Toby Anholt was given as Paul Bouchet, is that? Or Boucher, I can't remember. Must be Boucher, uh, surely. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, now, I'm off to uh, for a rewatch of Space 1999 as I voyage through the Andiverse. Thanks for Matt. Ah. Yeah, nice. A little detour from the usual Anderson Fair into the weird and wonderful world of the Protectors. Uh, it is Anderson Fair, though, isn't it? Sort of. Yes, but, it is. But not but proper. It, no, that's right. Uh, and yet it appears on the randomizer all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. See? Thanks, Chris. Yeah, Ben. <laughs> Hello, Jamie and Richard, says Ben. I've been a fan of Jerry Anderson for all my life. My dad, to this day, still remembers watching Thunderbirds when it was on TV back in the day, and it was one of his favourite shows, along with the Adam West Batman series and Doctor Who. My brother throughout the 90s and early 2000s had a lot of the toys, including the sought-after Tracy Island playsets. Lucky. Uh, myself, having grown up with New Captain Scarlet series and more recently enjoying the 2015 reboot Thunderbirds Are Go, they are my two favourite Anderson properties, especially Scarlet. Linked below is a drawing I did of my take on the Spectrum uniform. Oh yes, I don't know if you saw this, Jamie. It's rather nice. Uh, mm. A redesign that might look for a possible future reboot or movie adaptation. It kind of combines both the classic and new versions of the uniform from both Scarlet shows with a few modern touches here and there, especially on the boots being more mecha-like. It's not entirely perfect. There may be a bit too much red in the suit, but I kept the classic Spectrum emblem as I prefer it to the one from New Scarlet. Let me know in the podcast what you think. Thanks and keep up the amazing work regards from Ben. Well, I loved it, Thanks, Ben. Ben. Yeah, very cool. We can't have too much Scarlet on Captain Scarlet's uniform. No, no, that's right. But I like the idea of sort of giving it a redesign and a refresh for your own, you know, imagination and your own creative uh, enjoyment. That's fun. I like that, Ben, very much. Anyone else, if you've got any sort of updates that you'd like to share of uh, any of the... uh, uh, uniforms or even craft from uh, any of the Jerry Anderson shows. Why not send them in and we'll have a look? We actively encourage you to do so. It's good fun. Indeed. Uh, now, I've uh, done the usual thing of copying and pasting an email here without including at the end who it's from. Amazing. So, email from Mystery Emailer. Yes, yeah, so my uh, apologies. Please forgive me, but this is from someone out there who says, Hi, Jamie Richard et al. I've just received my copy of the UFO Shadow Tech Ops manual. Like my Moonbase Alpha Tech manual, which I bought late last year, I absolutely love it. Fantastic. They go into so much detail with things you never knew you knew. Well done to all involved. In one of your recent podcasts, you were talking to David Mather regarding previous and future collectibles. Anyway, I have to be in the station inn in Llandidno Junction 
Oh, yes. And found this poster on one of the walls with reference to the original Dinky Toys. I remember having the Interceptor, the SPV, the blue Thunderbird 2, complete with Thunderbird 4, and the Shadow Mobile. I also remember having the, steady, the green Eagle Transporter and possibly blue, may have been white, Eagle Freighter. Yeah. Oh, how I wish I'd kept them. Keep up the good work and thanks to everyone involved. I work nights, so it keeps me going listening to the up-to-date podcast releases, plus revisiting some of the previous ones too. Podtastic. Great stuff. And that's from... Ian Sherlock. Well done, you. Thank you, Jamie, (laughs) for saving my skin. (laughs) Yeah, I saved your bacon there, but I'm afraid I could not save your bacon, or shave it even, from (laughs) from saying Shadow Mobile, not Mobile. Stop it. You're so naughty. (laughs) I will win. I will win. Mm. Uh, And finally, here's a lovely one from Julie, who says, Hi, gents. I listen to quite a range of different podcasts, but I've just realised that the Jerry Anderson podcast is the only one that makes me smile when I hear the intro. Thanks for making me smile at least once a week from Julie. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, that's our pleasure. That's and a lovely thing to do. All hear. downhill from the theme onwards. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's a great theme. So, oh, it's yeah. lovely. She's yeah. got Cle- a point. Clever Benji. And that's stuck Clever for all Benji. that time. I know. We're not going to give it a refresh or a revisit. I don't think but... we need to. I think it's one of those things that if you, I mean, you could try and do it in a sort of, you know, mm. Doctor Who theme evolving through the ages, but. Yeah. I don't know, it just feels so perfect. Yeah, it does, really. And we have the Christmas bells and everything, don't we? Exactly. What else do you want? (laughs) What else do you want? It's free, isn't it? You want what? Moon on a stick? Blood from a stone? (laughs) Uh, uh, There we go. So, yes, do keep them coming in because we love to get your emails. It's quite easy. Just let your fingers dance across the keyboard on your computer to type out the address podcast at jerryanderson.com put in the subject line something you want to talk about and then talk about it in the body of the email and press send. (laughs) That's it. I love your instructions for communication. <laughs> it's there. so easy, isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely brilliant. Thank so goodness. Yeah. I wouldn't have known what to do if you hadn't told no, us that. So. Well, I'm here for you. Whoa, what a star. Well, mm. thank in, in um, gratitude yes. for the amazing work you've just done there explaining how to do an email. You're welcome. Can I reward you with some Jerry Anderson news? Oh, that would be lovely. Good. Well, then here comes a very rewarding Jerry Anderson news. It's the Jerry Anderson Newsy News News News. news, news. Uh, oh, you stopped short there. I did, yeah, so I'm saving one for later. <laughs> All right, I'll look forward to that whenever it crops news. up. <sighs> okay, let's get on with it. Here we go. Let's start with the perhaps surprising news of the Joe 90 Technical Operations Manual. Now, see, I know I don't like Joe, but I've always said everybody's free to like Joe, and if they love Joe, if you love Joe, then good for you. So who am I to hold you back from learning all about the machinery, the technology, the gadgets, etc., of the World Intelligence Network's Project 90. Well, soon you'll be able to do just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to ander.sun slash project90, then you can find out more. And if you missed our live stream last week, just pop along to YouTube and watch it there. There you go, see? Joe 90. I'm, I'm not totally against it. Oh, yes, that's exciting. Keith Shackleton's story on TV21 and the licensing world of AP Films and Century 21 continues over on YouTube as well, so you might enjoy that. If you're looking for a bargain, then our T-shirt sale begins today. We're having a bit of a stock clearance. We're moving warehouse. We've got all sorts of exciting new big plans, so we need to do a bit of a clear out. So I know the weather's not quite right for it, but a bunch of our t-shirts are down to 14.99 
priced to clear and uh, if you've been waiting to pick up one of our Spectrum or Moonbase or International Rescue Thunderbird Space 1999 logo t-shirts you'll find a link on the homepage of the Jerry Anderson store shop.jerryanderson.com while stocks last. Now that's great. Later this week if you missed out on the Eagle Moss Eagles uh, you may find some of them back in stock again. After the very sad news last year that Eagle Moss had ceased trading, mm-hmm. the stock that was remaining in the US and the UK did the rounds, various places, uh, and has now found a distributor, and we managed to get hold of some. So if you missed out on the uh, Eagle One or the Booster Eagle, then they should be appearing uh, on the Jerry Anson store later this week. And alongside those, our last few Koenig, Bergman, and Morrow action figures six inch action figures very nicely articulated looking very smart available in limited numbers but we won't be restocking once they sell out so if you're holding off there then um well stop holding off so there we go everything from the sublime to the ridiculous depending on where you uh, find yourself from joe 90 tech manuals to action figures of uh, professor bergman who knew we'd be here in 2023 uh, that though is the end of this week's jerry anderson news that was the news. Very rewarding news. E news. Yeah, that's it. Well done. There it is. <laughs> I stole yeah. it. Now you, you right. already put, I was, one extra now. Yeah, I know. Well, I'll do one less next week. Do you feel rewarded though? I do feel very rewarded. I really? can't remember what for, but thanks anyway. Okay. Well yeah. done. Great. Uh, now, <laughs> if you're on Facebook, uh, it's quite easy to find the official podcast listeners Facebook group. You simply go to Facebook <laughs> and in the search bar. <laughs> Hang on. Why have you suddenly started doing this now? <laughs> Anyway, find us on Facebook and you can join in the conversation and the fun as well. For example, Martin Smith says, I bought and received this before Christmas. And Mm. due to so many other purchases I made, I've only just got round to opening it. It's the special edition of the Shadow Operator's Technical Manual. Uh, I assume, says Martin, that the standard edition doesn't come in this box. My dilemma here is, do I keep this new and sealed as a collectible and purchase a copy of the standard edition? Or do I open it? Oh, get, it. get into it. Decisions. Get into it. <laughs> do you think? Oh, I, I really do think so, yes. It's a perennial problem amongst fans of, uh, you know, this kind of genre, though, isn't it? You get something new, you know, a special yeah, but... edition in a box, in wrapped in cellophane, vacuum-packed. Ooh, do vacuum I keep it like packed. that? <laughs> I, I, it's there to be enjoyed. And you can you can enjoy it and then put it all back in the box. And, you know, I, mm. yes. Just no, okay. enjoy what's in there. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've opened mine, to be fair. Oh, uh, but go. Keith Gooch says, uh, well, I haven't opened mine yet either. Maybe I will one day. But at the moment, it's pristine sealed and worth more that way. I don't plan on selling it anytime soon. But at my age, I know that it won't last forever. Or rather, I won't last forever. So oh. if it's with me till my last day, then my family will benefit after I'm gone. Get the standard issue and keep this beauty sealed, says Keith. Gosh, well, each their own. I mean, do you think it's going to escalating value to that degree over the next I few mean, years who knows <laughs> who knows all right no then uh, alex patrick says the 20 <laughs> of rather century 21 gallery opened at the cartoon museum in london yesterday and is on until early june it's just a tiny cubic installation but it was fascinating anyway and it was great to bump into jenny and chris on the day too and yes jenny davis also posted evening all rhapsody angel here today i had a truly amazing day down to london to see the jerry anderson exhibition at the cartoon museum which started today i got many photos too in my rhapsody angel costume and got to go and see two ballet shops freed of london and block in london 
Uh, thank you so much to my really great friends, Christopher Daniels and Jason Ivan, for accompanying me, S-I-G. Yeah, yeah. do let us know if you've been uh, Podstrons. If you've dropped in while you've been in London, let us know what you saw and what you thought of it. James Pilson Wood, though, has the best comment of all following Jenny's post. Does he? Uh, <clears throat> anything in the gift shop? Oh, of course. I quite like that. That's always the question, isn't it? Yes, 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 that's all very well, but was there anything in the gift shop? Uh, yes, <laughs> well, there is. Is there? What yes. is there? Well, some of the stuff you know, uh, you know, the oh. UFO comic anthologies. Oh, yeah, great. It's all there. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, nice. yeah well, it makes Brilliant. sense, doesn't it? Of course it does. People want to get yeah. their Anderson fix them. Absolutely who are right. We to stop them. Quite right, too. Uh, John Quinn says just watching an episode of The Saint from 1964, The Unkind Philanthropist on Talking Pictures TV, and in it, David Graham is featured in a proper acting role. Aww. The guy who played one of the Mexicans in the UFO episode Mindbender was also briefly in it. Oh, mm. lovely David Graham. That's nice. Isn't it? It's interesting to say proper acting role. I'm thinking that. Yeah, I'm sure he would regard his puppet voice work as proper acting. Of course, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I understand the sentiment. Uh, David Hollis says, I think I found a young man who I hope I've talked into joining the podcast group, as well as telling them about the podcast itself. He had no idea about us podders. I'm sorry I can't remember the lad's name, but he was the only international rescue cosplay at London Comic Con Spring. I hope he does join and becomes a welcome member to our great site. Thank you, Jamie Anderson, Richard James and the rest of the team. We hope we can all share the love and care that international rescue had for life, good or bad and that's from david hollis isn't that lovely mm, that's uh, nice. so, and, yeah. and i think that young man has joined has he not hooray i'm sure Great. i saw something lovely uh, good yes well, maybe he's even listened to the podcast and thought what on earth have i got involved with here well but no i, I think i'm pretty sure he'll be happy because i'm i saw uh the, the pictures and uh, oh nice it was a really great bit of cosplay lovely um, good so yes uh welcome great. along Welcome along, yep, uh, the more the merrier. And we'd love to see your pictures, so do post them along with your thoughts and comments on our Facebook group. Uh, how are you getting on with your models, Roger? And uh, how are you getting on with your cosplay, everyone? And your art, Hannah, we'd love to see your pictures. Uh, so yeah, post away, and I'll read out some of the best next week. Looking forward to it. To. <laughs> I thought your batteries had run out. <laughs> well, they are running out, but we've got enough <laughs> for the end of this podcast. Now, oh, thank goodness. Sh- um, rude. Uh, shall we go back mm. to our interviewee from last week? Yeah, I think we ought to, yes, because we left it sort of hanging a bit, didn't we? We do these things, you see. Mm. It's, it's, well, the interviewee is Andrew E.C. Gasker. Oh, yes. But we're going to call him Drew. Yes, he's Drew's back. Right. He's an expert in all sorts of geeky and wonderful things like Planet of the Apes, Buck Rogers, Choose Your Own Adventure, Predator, Terminator, Alien, and of course, Space 1999. Lovely. He's the man behind To Everything That Was and uh, the upcoming Aftershock and Awe. I suppose they're both upcoming, but uh, at least you can pre-order and secure your copy of To Everything That Was, which uh, gives you a a sort of route from Series 1 to Series 2 of Space 1999 using selected comics and an overarching narrative which Drew himself designed. So let's hear a bit more from Drew, and he can tell us more about his involvement with Space 1999 and beyond. So then the next thing for me is, how do you go from being teenage Drew, uh, enjoying Maya and the Eagles, and just starting to enter into the world of philosophical stuff and still enjoying Star Wars, etc., to then working in the industry? What's the kind of comic book origins story for for Andrew E.C. Gasker going from fanboy to professional. So my story is really weird. Um and it's we like love I, weird I, stories. <laughs> I give I give um when I'm on pals at conventions, 
I'm often put on panels on how to break into licensing or, or the industry and stuff like that. And I'm like, you're not going to be able to do what I did just because that weird window I found is not open anymore. And that's because these companies have decided to really understand, wait, we have something of value here. We're not just going to give it to anybody. Because I really, some of the things that I was given was just given to anybody, it feels like. And I got lucky, was able to produce something good with. So I went to college for art. I thought I was going to be an artist, a comic book artist. Okay. So I went to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. It's, it was a well known um, art school since the 20s. And it was really known for producing a lot of great comic book artists. And in the 90s, the teachers there were comics alumni like Denny O'Neill, who was in charge of Batman for 15 years, Carmine Infantino, who, who created The Flash and Batgirl. Uh, Will, Walter Simonson, who the Thor movies are kind of based on his Thor run. So you had all these big names there. And mm. in high school, I was, um, I was um, like the best at drawing. But when you go to an art college, uh. everybody there was the best in there. <laughs> and now it's a different level of the best. And I quickly realized I'm not getting from my hand what I'm seeing in my head. And that was very frustrating for someone who decided this is what I want to do with my life. I can see. Yeah. Um, so, you know, layouts and everything and colors and all this. I, per- perfect, perfect. You have no problems, but just I could not get that line like I wanted. And we were required to take a writing for comics class. And Denny O'Neill was the teacher on that, uh, previously mentioned in charge of Batman for so long. And I really loved that class. And we got to the point where my parents couldn't afford to send me to college anymore. And so I decided I was going to drop out for a little bit. And so I had taken Denny's class a few semesters, even though you're only required to take it once, um, because you do a different script every time. Yeah. And I told Denny, I was like, listen, I want you to know I'm not going to be in class next semester. There's no, no reflection on you. I just, you know, can't afford it. And he's like, oh no, that we can't have that. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to privately tutor you <laughs> and we're going to get you where you need to go. I'm like, uh, Denny, I can't afford that. He's like, no, no, I'm going to take you out to lunch on DC's credit card every, every three <laughs> weeks. <laughs> it's like, we're going to, we're going to get you, we're going to get you a script. That's going to go in the bin over at DC. Excuse me. Not the bin. The bin is the garbage. <laughs> it's going to go. I mean, it may have wound up there eventually, but no, but, but first, it's first that was going to be a drawer. So when you okay. have a script in, in the drawer at a comic company, what that means is if the regular writer of that series is running behind. They're like, well, damn, we got to we, we got to give the artist something here. Just give them this, and they throw a script that they've already pre-approved out. That's okay. why suddenly, in the middle of a major story, you're like, wait, what is this story here? What is this nonsense? And then you get back to your main story. Uh, <laughs> so he 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 basically um, worked on me, worked with me on a Catwoman script, uh, which then wound up being in the drawer at DC, and and, and never some print, but it, it was my first in, and. From there, I got the opportunity. I was really lucky and 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 foolish. Because uh, from then, I got the opportunity to possibly be assistant uh, editor on Justice League. Brian Augustine over there at DC was he was um, looking for a new assistant. Denny put Denny comes out of his office like Batman. Apparently, drops my resume on his desk and the wishes back is what I was told. <laughs> so, so they're like, "Well, wait." Denny actually came out of his office and gave us something. So they called me in. Interview went really good, basically because I thought there's no way I'm going to get this job. And so I, I just said, you know what? Just be yourself, whatever. But there's a point where you got to think about that. <laughs> because 
I had, and this is 1994 people, so don't judge me too harshly, a terrible phobia of computers. Oh, ouch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you're, they're like, you, everything you say is exactly what we're thinking and planning on doing. This is great. You're perfect for this job. Show you where your office is. Oh, by the way, do you use Mac or PC? <laughs> uh, well, I could use either, really. It doesn't really matter. Oh, okay. Well, can you show us just real quick how you would use this this setup? And I had no idea what to do. <laughs> and and so three months later, I got a call from Brian over there and he said, Listen, we don't ever call people to tell them when I didn't get it, but I felt that you got so close I needed to I owed you a call. I said, well, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Can you tell me what went wrong? And it's like the guy who came in after you was just as great as you, but new computers. If you both were the same, it would have been you because you came in first. When I was like, all right, I went out, bought a computer. Everything I do in my life is computers now. Um, of course. But I just had this, had this thing like I couldn't. Oh, yeah. So my my I have uh, an Echo Dot here. And every time I say that word, we just said, but I shouldn't say again, it reacts. It was real lucky it didn't start talking. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, she sometimes gets involved in interviews. Um, She's welcome to join us. <laughs> <laughs> so my mic couldn't wrap around the idea of where does the file go? <laughs> it's like, I, I would tell I tell my friend, I would say, can you check to see if the file's still there? He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I just couldn't get it. And, an, and, an, and alien, an alien interface to you. Yeah. Yeah, it just didn't, it didn't make sense to me, and I was terrified of it. And, you know, as soon as that happened, I, it was a smack across the face. I was like, no. And I I, I, I got myself clear of that within a year. But at this point, that ship has sailed. Like, like my chance to get in the D.C. office is pretty much gone. So I decided I'm going back to school. I finished my degree. And I went to getting a job at the school working in the photocopy lab, which eventually became the computer lab on weekends. But during the week, I'm a limo driver. Okay. I'm doing whatever it is like, cause I don't want to, I don't want to just stop and get a nine to five and decide, okay, this is my career. Now I still want to do something. I want to write or want to draw or, or, or with TV or, or I don't know, something to do with this stuff. Cause I love this. Okay. I thought about being a novelist, but I'd never taken any classes on, on writing novels. So I, I, I knew I wanted to be in this industry. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know how I was going to make it work. So I refused to get a nine to five job. And, and, you know, all my friends had already given up. It's very, it's very interesting. Like you see all these super talented people in school with you and it doesn't matter who makes it in this business. Isn't the most talented. Right. It's sad to say, okay. I think there were people much more talented than me in, in, in school who just were like, you know what? I can't deal with this BS. Uh, I'm just going to go to the, I'm going to go to the military. I'm going to become a nurse. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Something like an, an adult job instead of doing this, you know, comics or entertainment industry thing. And it was sad, but I refused to give up on that. So, uh, so I was, I was on the weekends. I was eventually managed. I was manager of the photocopy lab who eventually became the um, computer lab um, for graphic design at the school. And during the week I was driving limos, but I, the limo job was terrible. Um, it wasn't, they were driving me around the clock. So giving me like airport runs where it's like, okay, there's an hour between jobs, but for 24 hours, we do this. So, you know, I'm, I'm starting to fall asleep driving and I'm like, this is stupid. I can't do this. Uh. So I went to my boss at the school 
And I was like, can you give me more hours here? And he's like, no, I can't, but do you know Photoshop? And in 1999, which was ironically the year, the year before this was happening, I was in, I was running the computer lab and Photoshop was on the computer upstairs, but it was the only computer that had Photoshop on it, right? And my cousin had just seen Phantom Menace and dressed up like Darth Maul and was holding a lightsaber with his girlfriend on his arm. And he said, hey, do you have Photoshop at the school? Do you think you can make that lightsaber glow? And I was like, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Maybe I can. So like for a year, I played with the Photoshop controls until I figured that out. And then here is my boss asked me, do you know Photoshop? I was like, well, I kind of taught myself a little bit. He's like, oh, okay, great. I don't want to do all this work that I'm doing for Rockstar Games, which is a, uh, yeah, they did Grand Theft Auto. Date. I don't want to do this work anymore. So I'm giving it to you and a bunch of other people. And they gave me a ton of work and Rockstar systematically fired the other people because they liked what I was doing the best. And <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but okay. So I'm starting to make money. And it, it's like, okay, so is this where I was supposed to go? Is it video games? But it, the work I'm doing is not, it's not something anybody ever even knows is being done. Uh, you know, so it, it it's it's like I'm behind the scenes. Yeah. And uh, I'm the Secret guy. nameless. Yeah. I'm the guy who's never going to be in an interview, you know, and, and it's not that, it's not that I, you know, I need to be in an interview, but I, I, I honestly think that like, you know, uh, in panels and stuff, I help people understand how this industry works and, and how they can move forward in it properly because everybody's got misconceptions about this stuff. So, you know, it, it, it's like, I think I'm, I know I have a lot of knowledge I can help people with, and I want to be someone who's recognized for what I do because I want to do things that are going to change the world. And when you write to this nonsense, instead of being a scientist or something, all you can do is inspire a scientist Absolutely. to do something or inspire a politician. So, yeah, so I'm doing this and I, it, at this point it's 2005, 2006, and I'm making great money. I had to open up a studio and train my friends how to get things to a certain point and then I would finish it. And, and Rockstar is giving us every account they have and money is doubling every year. And it's just like, things are going great. And I walk into a comic shop and there's a new Planet of the Apes comic sitting there. And I was like, oh wait, who did this? Is this Marvel? Is this DC? And I look at it as somebody called Mr. Comics. And I was like, who the heck is Mr. Comics? <laughs> and if they could do this, why can't I? Was the first thing that went in my head. Yeah. So my company, Glam Ventures, which I had started actually to do the work for Rockstar, I hired an entertainment lawyer and went after a bunch of licenses. I went after Star Trek, Planet of the Apes. There was one other in there. Oh, V. Okay, because yeah. I was a big fan of V from the 80s. And uh, Battlestar Galactica. And finally, Space 1999. Nice. So of all these, through various whatever reasons, I wound up with Planet of the Apes and Space 1999. But Space 1999 wasn't the it was far from the easiest one to get. I can it imagine was, it, it <laughs> was ridiculous. Like like they didn't want anything to do with it. Me, okay. And so I would do a new proposal and send it, and the and they kept oh, they kept switching their licensing people, okay. And the new licensing people would look at it and then didn't want to do anything about it until finally they decided they were revamping their entire licensing department and they hired a freelance licensing department to handle things for a little while, yeah. which I thought was so weird when. It, Came, but now I've seen that happen with other companies now too. It's like, it's like we're 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 relaunching our department, so we're gonna give you guys this to play with for a while. And the guy called me, so I got a call from England, which was a shocker back then. And <laughs> and he he's like, right, so I'm going through this drawer, looking at all these proposals, and there's like 18 from you here. So do you want to do these things? Because I'll give you the rights to do. Them. <laughs> 
I was like, uh, yeah. So it's kind of funny because originally the rights that I was going to have were a lot like what the Anderson Club has now. Uh-huh. Because one of the things we put in the pitch was, and we're going to do a line of shirts that one has a sleeve or the, you know, like, like coding and everything like that. And this guy was all for it. But by the time a real licensors came, they're like, no, you can't give this guy all that stuff. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go. Cool. We're all back. Just the, just the books. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately what was going on in life in their licensing situation there, they transferred us to America and America's licensing department didn't have time to deal with something like this. Cause they're too worried about the TV shows they had. So everything kept shrinking. We had, we had, uh, first we were doing all that stuff and then we were doing a line of 16 graphic novels and eventually it became, we're definitely doing these two because we've already worked on them for several years. Okay. And, uh, the plan was to basically do season three. Yeah. Okay. And before we did season three, I thought, well, there's a lot of people who probably aren't as familiar with Space 1999 as they could be here. So why don't we do this retelling of what ha- of the pilot episode? Because I, the more research I did about the pilot episode, and this stuff is in Aftershock and All, which is the second release that is going to be coming from Anderson. The more I learned about the pilot, I realized that it was originally like a three-hour thing that all the stuff had been cut out of it. And I was listening to audio tapes that somebody had put up on YouTube of scenes that were, were shot. And I was like, all right, I need to reconstruct this thing. And that led to, well, you know, there's a lot of science about what would have happened to the earth if we lost the moon. Yeah. So I constructed Aftershock dealing with family members left behind of, of the Alphans left yeah. behind when we blast out orbit. And in the process of this, we thought we're going to, we're going to reprint everything that's ever been done. Okay. Yeah. And I, so I started hunting down the look-in issues from Britain, yeah. uh, get copies on, get copies on eBay. And then restoring them as best as we could at the time. Like we did over over the years, the restoration process has become a lot, a lot better. So things look almost like they're the original art yeah. now. We got the German Zach stuff. We got we got we got we got everything. And the best part was as I started going to these auction things and getting actual pages from the Charlton stuff. So we're building this library. So when it came, when we got told two books, that first book was mostly done. And I had all this stuff that I had already gotten for, you know, to reprint everything. Yeah. But ITB wanted us to re- when we reprinted it. They were like, there's a lot of things that aren't on model in that. And this is, this is what became up to everything that was what I'm about to say right here. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, if I'm all over the place, forgive me. No, um, no it's great. Cause, it, cause it, this, these things happen organically. So you can, yeah. you should retell it organically too. Thank you. Thank you. Well, he's an interesting man, isn't Thank he? Thank you, Drew. Yes, indeed. You can find Drew on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, where he will happily answer your questions as long as you say, hey, Drew, heard you on the podcast, would love to ask you about this. Or Great. want to just connect, but uh, give him, uh, just t- tell him no where you, um, tell him no, oh dear. <laughs> Don't tell Let him, him no. know yes. where you heard him, and I'm sure he will be very willing to have a chat with you. If you want to get a copy of To Everything That Was, go to ander.son slash T-E-T-W, mm. or if you're in the US, you can pre-order it from jerryanderson.com. Oh, right. Dot yeah. store, Richard. Sorry. That's the US store. Yeah, okay. And also, gotcha. if you're further afield, you may remember a few weeks ago, we mentioned that we were looking into ways to get things to you more affordably, more efficiently, and without those really annoying import charges that really yeah. spoil things sometimes. We yeah. are making fantastic strides towards that. More oh, well done. info very soon. Great. Good. How's that? Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? I think it's all right, yeah. Excellent. Uh, now... <laughs> uh, 
over on our YouTube channel. Well, people have been commenting, you oh, know, underneath the videos. Yeah, you know, like oh, they do, telling yeah. us what they think. Oh, really? Whether they like it or not. <sighs> okay. So anyway, I thought I'd read a few out. Oh, sure. Yeah, so Ian Dealey said, I really enjoyed listening to the first Intergalactic Rescue 4 story on the podcast. Mm. And I'm so glad that we're back to having a normal randomizer again. Chris no Dale, comment. all is forgiven, says oh, Ian. okay. Is it, though? We yeah. forgive so easily, don't we? No, but we forgive, but we don't forget. Mm. On the subject of IGR4, O.D. Dillon posted, Right then, Mr. Jamie Anderson, you are going to produce this as a TV series for kids and old adults, right? For kids and older adults? Yeah. That might be a tough one. Uh, oh. You'd never say never. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be pretty tough for either, let alone both. Yeah, but you'd still never say never, right? No. Odie continues, the Anderson legacy lives on with its children, now adults. Absolutely yes. right. We carry it in our hearts, don't we? Outpost 36 says, I work in the industry, but unfortunately I'm way too young to have been on Space 1999. The way the full circle story was told to me. Now, I think this is going back to the infamous fat Oof. fact about Barbara Bain. Gosh, did you have to make it quite so infamous? <laughs> going home in full makeup yes. to apparently practice her cavewoman grunting yes. at her daughter. Right. Yes. Uh, the way the full circle story was told to me by an insider about 15 years ago, says Outpost 36, was that Barbara and Martin's elder daughter Susan, then 14, came home from school with a fellow student whom she had something of a crush on, and they found Barbara in her skimpies. Not actually the caveman garb her character wore in the episode, animatedly and voicelessly going through the motions of a primitive prehistoric woman. This is not at all unfeasible, as both Barbara and Martin were meticulous in their character preparations and had in fact met when both were studying the method at Lee Strasberg's actor's studio. The way she, Barbara, later told it to her colleagues, her daughter had been more embarrassed by the incident than frightened. This was in the autumn of 1974 after all and Space 1999 was yet to air. Ah. There. Now that I can believe. Okay, fine. Well, let's say it's somewhere near to that. That makes more sense to me that actually Barbara Bain was in a bedroom one day and thought, uh, I'll just put my underwear on and I'll practice some movement stuff for the caveman, cavewoman scenes. Mm. And her daughter stumbled across her. Okay, that, fine. That I can buy. Alright, alright. Yes, move <laughs> on. Okay, okay. Uh, Charlie Blimey. <laughs> Charlie Bl- Blimey has a, a whole conversation going on in his own head. Audience, Chris, never ever do shows that aren't Anderson related. Chris, okay, the next 71 shows will randomly be 8 episodes of Torchy, the 12 worst episodes of The Protectors, and 51 recreations of the lost episodes of The Adventures of Twizzle, with an episode of Joe 90 every time Jamie complains. Audience, uh, what we meant to say was, do you have any episodes of Never the Twain you'd like to do, or that episode of Take a Letter Mr Jones and Ed Bishop was in, or did you know Francis Matthews was in that Riviera touch? There. I see. Yeah? Yeah. So maybe we uh, should be careful what we wish for. Okay, fine. Chris, we'll leave it to you to be, you know, sensible. Yeah. So uh, lots more to comment on, of course, on our YouTube channel, including the top five monsters from Space Breeze. Are you still banging on about that? Yeah, you know, give it a watch. Let (sighs) me know if you agree with me that Commander features way too low down on that list of number two. Yeah, yeah. Actually, turns out the biggest monster from Space Precinct was Richard Blumin James. Yeah, and his ego. Yeah. That's right. Oh, you're right there. Uh, Yeah, do comment away and I'll read out some uh, comments either next week or the week after. Or when I feel like it. Yeah, whenever you like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Should we move on? I think we ought to. Right. We need to get Chris into light in the room. Chris... Please bring us something more cheery with the randomizer with less moaning in it. Uh, 
Right, over to you and your big red button for a random Jerry Anderson episode. Please, please, please be a good one. I'm not moaning. I'm just saying that number two is the yeah, just ridiculous yeah, yeah. position. I put so much effort into that part. You know, I had to yes, wear contact yes. lenses, the prosthetics. I was in early. Every day I had to get in earlier than everyone else. Chris, like a half past six pickup. Please. Oh. Well, this is indeed an amazing vehicle. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Jones. She's had a few knocks over the years, but nothing we haven't been able to put right. Well, almost nothing. Uh, Very glad to have you with us today, by the way. I'm very glad to be here. (laughs) But time's wasting, so uh, if you could get on with the button pressing. Of course, I understand the urgency of the situation. Thank you, that's lovely. I'm afraid I didn't catch your name. Oh, uh, Chris. Chris Dale, sir. Yes. 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 And uh, if you could just pass me the printout. Uh, one moment. That's it. Thank you. Oh, okay. Well, we're back with Stingray today for Eastern Eclipse. Uh, if you would be good enough to lead the way. Stingray! Stingray! So, we welcome back to the randomizer. It's Stingray, and um, we're in an odd position here because we are doing the second episode here of a pair of linked stories that we haven't done the first episode of yet. Uh, It's been a rule on the randomizer that if I get a two-part story on the randomizer, I will do part one first and part two second, but uh, these episodes are more linked than than being a a part one and a part two, so unfortunately we haven't had the uh, episode that sets it all up yet. But here we go. Are you receiving me? It's very easy to catch up. 20 miles east of... The Wasps have in their jail a, a eastern dictator named El Hudat. Ali Kali. Of Hudatvia, former president of Hudatvia. He was deposed by his brother. Alert the airfield! At the end of Star of the East. That was the, the episode that introduced the character. Star 2 from Marineville. But now it seems that uh, everything's gone a bit wrong in Hudatvia. Call when approaching airfield. Eastern Star 2. Thank you. He's president of one of the richest countries in the world. Mm. And he'll be here in less than five minutes. Why no official notification of his arrival? You know Ali Kali Troy, just like his twin brother El Hudat. What I find interesting about this is that um, these two episodes were... Through his brother. He wants El Hudat to remain right where he is, in jail. They were made about 10, 12 episodes apart. Generally, they've been shown, and at times, I think the VHS release put them quite close together. It's on the video phone. Yes, sir. But it's still a, a, a long time to, to wait before revisiting the character. And I always wonder if the plan with Ali Kali, no, even El Hudat, sorry, was... Uh, see, I'm already getting them the wrong way around, and that's a huge part of the story. Uh, I, I often wonder if Star of the East was written with the possibility of revisiting the character, or if someone found the puppet hanging up somewhere near the end of series, a series of, of Stingray and thought, ah... They take a while to reduce that. Be a nice character to revisit. Anywho, I'm glad they did because this is one of my favourite episodes. Craft, he's coming in. You can bet it'll be the biggest and the latest. Yes, but of course it's not. It's not any of those. Uh, How long will it? Supersonic transports and exciting planes that Troy and phone—not Troy and phones. Troy and Fisher were uh, were gawking at there on the screen. Instead, that he's flying um, X20 airlines. We're heading away from it. So we are. I enjoy the flight. Uh, in a very old, knackered plane. And of course, X20 is wearing another fabulous disguise. Are we not going? Just pure biggles um, flying gear, right down to the uh, the handlebar moustache. My plans. What do you mean? 
your plans. Do not worry your camel's brain. You will not be around to appreciate him. Ali Kali is starting to get the feeling that something isn't quite right here. I am in the hands of a madman. He is taking me away from Marineville. Arrest him, you dog-eared jackal. We can see immediately that Ali Kali is exactly like El Hudat in every way, right down to being the same puppet, voiced by the same artist, David Graham, saying the same kind of things. And, uh, well, the plane is cruising around the area of the island of Lemoy. They can do nothing. That was a nice touch. A panel just flew off the side of the aircraft there. Now X20 has parachuted out. Which leaves our exiled president alone in the plane. It also makes me think of that bit. This is Ali Khalid. Engine is failing. My pilot has bailed out. Bravely and with fearless courage. I am going to follow. Oh dear, yes, and this is fun as well. Uh, his his bravery and pomposity slightly undercut by parachute. No parachute. Somebody save me! <laughs> no dignity, no bravery at all. Uh, Instantly, I am the we just know and love this character. We completely understand who it is because we've we've met his brother before. And uh, he's just as, as just as cowardly and just as pathetic as El Hudat. But what I, I, I like about that is um, with, with X20 in the back, presumably he was the pilot. It reminded me of that bit from More Haste, Less Speed. I thought the pilot always sat in the back. But Ali Kali seems to have taken control from the front seat. The, nobody of that bulk would ever consider manoeuvring into the back seat while the plane was in flight. At least it's heading in the right direction. Yeah, straight for us. Kelly, use that heap of junk. There can only be one reason, Troy. He's had to leave his country in a hurry, and the first aircraft he could lay his hands on. And that means trouble. Possibly a counter-revolution. Oh. The man in our jail, his brother, El Hudat, is probably back in power. So all sorts of political intrigues have uh, affected the Stingray um, cast, none of which they were aware of. They're just thinking it was going to be another quiet day, minding their own business, and now absolute chaos at Marineville. Perfectly. And this sequence of um, Ali Kali trying and failing multiple times to effect a landing. Uh, to be to be fair to him, he did try to. Yeah, he made it to the runway there. As you can hear, he overshot slightly. Nice markings on the plane as well there, APF1. Down, everyone! He's coming straight for us! And this is just brilliant stuff, this idea of this... You know, for all of the threats that Marineville has faced over the years, all of the bombings and alien attacks and whatever, the most powerful, destructive weapon they have ever faced is this... Proceed, X20! What have you... Fat despot in an out-of-control plane. Well. I, started a I do wonder to a certain extent why they don't just call battle stations and either have him shot down, which I, I suspect would, would, would cause some kind of diplomatic incident, but why can't they just sort of lower the buildings and uh, save at least a few of them Finish his claims to the presidency. from what we're going to see will happen. Part of the plan completed! This is a very long sequence of, of Ali Kali causing destruction all over the place, but it's also a heck of a lot of fun. That aircraft. Good! Then the way is clear for you to put his brother El Hudat back in power. And what's fun with this as well is that in Star of the East, Titan and X20 were nowhere to be seen. They, you know, you know, Ali Kali was, no, not, I've done it again. El Hudat, 
this is going to keep happening, I think. El Hudat was just a one-off guest character who had no relation to anybody. As far as we knew, he wasn't even aware that there was any life under the sea. And uh, as with um, several, I think, more successful Titan X20 stories, the fact that they've allied themselves with with a human, um, whether you're wittingly, as in this case, or unwittingly, as with um, Duke Dexter, for instance. <laughs> It just brings so much to to all of these characters. It's gonna crash! It's still hurtling around the place. Oh yeah, there's a sign. Fly Superjet from Marineville. <laughs> have to replace that sign now. Oh, crashed into a, a security checkpoint. Wrecked the entire base! Luckily it wasn't the one that the uh, security checkpoint guys normally uh, sit in, but um, I'm sure if we had lost the security checkpoint guys, nobody would really have cared because on, here he comes again. they don't add much to the proceedings. But this is all great fun. It does admittedly go on for a very long time. And uh, if you haven't read, actually, uh, Jack Knoll's recent wonderful series of uh, Stingray blogs on his uh, security hazard website, he suggests that this is as long as it is because it is, you know... Uh, essentially padding for an episode that's underrunning. You'll pull out in time! Which I suppose yeah, is probably the reason, but it's great yeah, fun. That's right. Nothing to worry about. Especially all this as Troy and Fisher and Shaw alone pull out? trying to convince themselves he's not going to hit the tower. No, that, that's not how it works. It's just like in the movies. Troy says it, it's like in the movies. And as he says it, Fisher is just quietly making his way behind uh, the edge of a console just to give himself a bit of protection. Um, which, all things considered, was a good idea. Uh, made it. Because Ali Kali has arrived in style. Oh, Bigger landing, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and some brilliant puppetry as, as well here as he manages to stand up, delivers his little speech about how brave he is, and then just collapses into the seat. Closer. It was all I could get. But I, I do still find this is one of the funniest scenes in Stingray, and I felt that since I first saw it. I never saw this one as a kid, I don't think. Uh, I probably first saw it when the... Oh, he's gone again. <laughs> it's a brilliant shot. Uh, I think I first saw it when the DVDs came out, so I would have been about 15, 16. And even then, uh, you know, at that age, I still found it hugely entertaining. But only mean one thing. I think, actually, I might have seen this episode before Star of the East. Here in Marineville, who helped to overthrow me. What are you... There we go again, yes. Just like El Hudat, he smells conspiracy everywhere, particularly in Marineville. Then who was it? Someone has plotted with my brother to overthrow... And as Jack discussed on the Security Hazard blog, this may have also been done because we were coming to the end of production on Stingray and they legitimately trashed the control tower set, that that may have been one of the last scenes... Well, if it was trashed for real, that would have been the last scene shot on the control tower set. This is, I think, episode 36 in production order, so they could have easily reworked the schedule so that that sequence was filmed last and then they just... You know, destroyed the set, which um, is unfortunate, but it does happen. It happened in XL5 and, and others. Quiet, sun-eating scorpion. And that's that's interesting because uh, X20 has now donned another disguise to play El Hudat's lawyer. He's gone in to see El Hudat in prison, and Abu is there, who was El Hudat's helper slash advisor slash kidnapper of Marina. And in that sequence, or that line he said just there, "But we are in jail." Um, that was Robert Easton doing the voice as he did last time. But it wasn't the same voice Don't forget your as he used last time. And yet, Abu will have one more line where he used his old voice. It's quite strange. Of course. 
I am a man of my word. He's got a lot of medals, yes. A uh, medal for, I suspect, conspicuous gallantry and um, obvious bravery. And... Oh, wait till I get my hands on that fat pig of a brother. <laughs> you. But I thought you were. And it's, it's great as well that um, we actually have the two puppets. It's not, you know, that they've got the one puppet and they're just doing some very clever editing with it. We do see them on screen together frequently. Uh, I believe it's a reuse of the Master Spy puppet, certainly the body. Um, perhaps the head is also heavily modified from Master Spy. And it's it's interesting as and quite sweet as well that... Um, Man, it seems that you have a... Because it obviously is the same puppet body, the puppet walks in a very similar way to Master Spy, which is fun. over quietly together, they may be able to solve their differences and agree to rule jointly. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Let's get one thing straight. Al Hudat doesn't leave that cell. Of course. There's another f this is a really good episode, actually, for fabulous X20 disguises, because after the pilot, he's now a bowler-hatted lawyer, even with a little uh, you know, bow tie and um, uh, a flower in his lapel. On secret matters of state. And anyway, I shall be here to keep the peace. And I'm very trustworthy, and you've never seen me before. I want no trouble, understand? Perfectly, Commander. Hmm. Well, that's it then. Time to uh, hatch a plan to get El Hudat out and keep Ali Kali in. Because X20 is alone with the pair of them, plus Abu in the cell. Shaw has agreed to, uh, to wait outside. Is enough to make the camel thirst for poison. But your excellences, won't you try to see eye to eye? Yeah, that's the that's the other line that Abu delivers um, in his old voice before he gets knocked out. Well done. He needed to be shut up. Yes. And so do you, pig face hyena. Anything to apply. <laughs> oh, yes, that's now Ali Kali clubbed and knocked out. Yeah, X20 managed to smuggle, a, if not a club, it looks like a baseball bat, uh, into the cell. I wonder if this is the same uh, baseball bat that Titan used on him at the end of the master plan. You're sure? Well, I suppose if it worked on him, it's, you know, he's he's clearly taking lessons from Titan at times, I think. How did it go? Hell, who dad won't even speak to Ali Kali. Look how he sulks. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, Ali Kali and Abu are just uh, in a sort of daze, a slump at the moment. Join you there. Maybe I can talk some sense into El Hudat. A very good idea, Commander. Mm. A very good idea. Yeah, because evidently you've had 12 episodes to get on with that and uh, nothing's happened. Operate with your brother? I could maybe get you released from jail. Hmm. It's interesting as well here that Shaw is uh, you sickers. quite happy to... Um... Oh, there they go. Falling over backwards. <gasps> the right moment for comedic effect for that to happen. Yeah, it's interesting that Shaw is perfectly happy for uh, the jail cell to be left open. To Ali Kali and Abu. Escape. Um, well, he negotiates with them because you know there's nothing that could possibly go wrong. Two large, presumably quite strong men uh, versus one guy in a wheelchair. Anywho, X20 has got El Hudat out of the Marineville jail. Troy, I was tricked. Guess so, sir. Hmm, that makes a change, sir. Usually it's one of us who's done that. I want personally to wring his neck. Oh, dear. Yes, Ali Kali is awake and out for blood. Until the emergency squad have got the control tower fixed, Atlanta. 
They're still trying to free Lieutenant Fisher from underneath that console he got crushed under. Yeah, we don't see Fisher again after the uh, crash on the, the, the control tower, which is quite ominous. They haven't left by air, so we can only assume they'll travel by sea. I must get back to my country before my brother takes home. <laughs> There's something as well that's quite fun with the uh, El Hudat and Ali Cowley puppets, is when they... When they want to rant in someone's face, they the puppeteer gets them up really close so that whoever they're talking to, With any luck, we'll arrive. whether it's Shaw there or I think Marina in Star of the East, the puppet they're talking to actually has to recoil because they're just so in their face. Uh, nice touch as well there that all of the equipment's been moved out of the Marineville control tower into the Shaw house. I guess there's no other set in which you could uh, could store it. Good. Maintain full speed. So, I have now rescued El Hudad from the Marineville jail. Excellent! You have done well! Titan is using an extreme close-up on himself uh, this week on, on X2Zero's monitor. Guard! Glub glub. Order a mechanical fish to leave immediately for the island of Lemoy. Glub glub. Pick up El Hudat to return him to Hudat Pier at full speed. <laughs> Again, that's one of those moments where I, I once put uh, some subtitles on a video on my YouTube channel of Aquafibians chattering to each other what they might be saying. I've always felt that moment there was just, no, didn't understand a word of that. Didn't understand a word of that, whatever. That will be on his way, and will be ours. But it's interesting as well that uh, Titan has, has chosen to get involved with politics this week as well. He's, uh, he's clearly studied what's going on on the land. He has an interest, which is... Which is fun. I'm sure a lot of it is relayed via X20. <laughs> but it's another nice angle in which to take the character. They were always finding with, with Titan and X20 interesting plans for them to hatch. I don't think there was ever a moment where you think, hang on, this is a bit, just a bit beneath them. Yeah, who Yeah. Must be quite an organization. Mm. Organization. That is the key to my success. And modesty, much like the man I am assisting. Oh, I also love this that um, Titan has a map of the world. And is on his way to Hudatvia. Well, I say a map of the world, it's just a map of one piece of ocean with the island of Hudatvia. And now I'll look at tomorrow's weather. If we. He's just. He does look like he's making a weather report there. I love it. I also love, actually, in one shot, you can see on a table behind Titan. What I think are the reused models of uh, Stingray and a Terrorfish that he and X20 were playing with in the master plan when they were plotting their scheme to, to poison Troy. I, I just love that Titan has those models on hand to um, to plot various schemes and, and, and master plans with. Guys not only look alike, they have the same line of pattern. And I'm going to stand here and let him rant in Marina's face. heard it all before. From your brother. Do not mention that son of a pig to me. Yeah, but poor old Marina has been invited along on this mission to, uh, well, to follow El Hudat in Stingray along with Ali Kali. You would think after the last time, um, when El Hudat kidnapped her, they would say, hey, you know what, Marina? Shall arrive. Take the week off. It's fine. It will be dawn then. Oh, rare moment of Aquafibians chatting to each other in English. I also love the shot of, of Ali Kali just covered in grease from a, a very uh, fattening meal, including a chicken bone there. It's just the idea of the Aquafibians having to lay on all that food for him. Well, I guess it won't be for much longer. We'll be approaching the harbour in an hour. Yeah. Good. They are nearly there. Now nothing can go wrong. 
<laughs> oh dear, yes, he said it now. Anywho, uh, speaking of, of timing, um, I, I should probably mention that you join me uh, as I record this. I I've been re-watching Stingray one episode a week on Tuesdays, which at the present time it's the anniversary screening of each episode so as i record this episode it's the 7th of march 2023 this episode was transmitted first on the 7th of march 1965 so although you're not going to be hearing this on the uh, anniversary of this episode's broadcast i am recording it on the anniversary of this episode's broadcast all my dreams of victory and you're very welcome to join me as titan prematurely declares victory but unfortunately what's this on his map Oh, oh no! Mechanical fish, this is Titan. You would think, for his uh, his weather map there, that he might have a more and attack and. I'm not sure. Just uh, his his icon for Stingray might be a bit less complimentary than uh, a picture of the actual craft. But here we go. The terrafish containing Ali Kali has turned to attack Stingray. Hi. There's a vessel approaching underwater. And Troy is shaving. Oh no. <laughs> Do, do they have to wait until Troy has, uh, has finished his uh, his daily grooming ritual? Oh, this is always good stuff, though. Even though, I mean, by this point in the series, we've got so many shots of Stingray and the Terrorfish that fish. I doubt they would have needed to shoot the whole thing. Okay. any more footage for this. Oh, that's it. They've opened fire. Look out, Stingray. Oh, no, yeah, that's uh, the same explosion from, from episode two. Return the fire. They get him. Yes, first time. And I always wondered whenever Stingray hit the Terrorfish uh, if any of the Aquafibians survived. Surface and stand by to pick up survivors. And it's kind of implied in this episode that, yeah, sometimes there are survivors, which probably means there are Aquafibians somewhere in, in Marineville's jail. Although, if it's anything like how they treat Noctus and Grouper, they're probably let out um, very lightly. Oh dear, yes. Ali Cali just floats out the Terrafish airlock. Eyes peeled. Troy and Phones and El Hudata are up on deck. And that's a fun, a fun thing they've done there with a the puppet. To uh, they've they've done something to the mouth mechanism to make him be able to spurt water. I think I can only remember seeing one other puppet do that, and that was Zuni in in Space Pirates. We'll fish him out when they're through. So now the two brothers are in the water, having a fight, just kind of rolling backwards and forwards. Troy and Phones are having a great time watching this, but unfortunately. All too soon, it's over. Chill the cold. Yeah. Okay, phones, let's get them aboard. I've seen enough of them brutalizing each other for one day. Say, Troy, I can't tell the one from the other. Can you? No, I can't. <laughs> they look identical. Okay, gentlemen. <laughs> well, this is all very convenient for Troy, who doesn't like either of them. Now, which of you is Al Hudat? He is. He is. Yes, they both have the same style of clothes, or exact same clothes, same hairstyle. Tell us how we can find out. They talk the same way, they have the same voice, the same size. Go ahead, Troy. This is going to be a pickle. We've got them mixed up again, sir. Oh, dear. Luckily, we need, we, we need someone rational and logical to think this out. Yeah, I sympathize with your problem. Unfortunately for them, we have Commander Shaw. Way to do it. Here's what to do. <laughs> who's got his smiling face on, so you know this isn't going to end well for the brothers. 
Also interesting, they've got what seem to be machine guns right outside the jail cell. That's always handy if uh, anyone manages to escape. Ali, you've got the wrong man. I don't figure it that way, Your Excellency. Release me. I'm Ali Kali, I tell you. Listen, you guys. One of you is Ali Kali and one is Al Hudat. I happen to have you both behind bars, so I figure I must have the right man. Why? It does seem as though, and I'm just, I'm not entirely sure this is right, but I think because we see Ali Kali float out of the Terrorfish with a Fez, and only one of these two has a Fez, it's, in, it's easy enough to tell them apart. But, um, unfortunately for them, Commander Shaw has decided, i eh, just leave them to it. Leave them arguing in Marineville Jail for the rest of their lives, presumably. Stop the podcast. Yeah, I've just been and checked, and uh, actually, it isn't like that at all. Uh, they both lose their uh, fezes during the fight in the water, and when Troy and Phones tie them up and bring them aboard Stingray, uh, neither of them has one, so I guess one of them was given a, a fez at some point after being arrested. Uh, don't know why, but uh, there we go. Ignore everything I said there. Now, let's see if I can say anything else worthwhile before I wrap this one up. I mean, I guess it got all sorted out off-screen, and uh, someone was returned home, but there we go, that was Eastern Eclipse, uh, one of the final episodes of Stingray to be produced, and uh, that's so much fun. It doesn't really rely too much on, on knowing what happened in Star of the East, because the story is just, um, you know, it's, it's entirely different. Uh, I, I think probably I prefer this one to Eastern Eclipse. Um, no, this is Eastern Eclipse. I prefer this episode to this episode. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think I prefer this one to Star of the East. Um, even though Star of the East is also a very good episode, it introduces the character of El Hudat very strongly. Um, you spend a lot more time with him than you do here, but I I'm always a sucker, I guess, for any, uh, any time that Titan gets involved with, with humans and schemes that involve things going on on land because I've always found it interesting that he he takes that kind of interest and All I know. the people of Titanica have a bit more going on than just blow up Stingray blow up Stingray this week his plot this week didn't even involve Stingray he was as surprised as anyone when Stingray showed up to thwart his plan poor old Titan anywho um, yes I I would say on the whole that's a jolly good episode of, of Stingray with a very uh that's very entertaining all the way through. Lots of destruction at Marineville, lots of silly bits, lots of uh, good old Titan stuff. Yeah, all around good fun. Love it. Well, I would say that's probably quite cheery, but Stingray. Oh yeah, bit of Stingray, yeah, from the from the uh, theme music onwards, really. Exactly. It's all up. Even I feel better. Oh good. So you you won't be mentioning that thing again. Well, not this week, no. Oh. <clears throat> Posterons, if you'd like to email in with something to um, boost Richard's ego after this terrible, terrible event of being events. putting second in the scariest monsters, uh, email us podcast at jerryanson.com with the subject line Dickie's Ego. Um, <laughs> Thanks, look forward to seeing them. Anyway, anyway let's wrap up, shall we? Uh, let's do that. Please make sure you're following or subscribing or whatever. Email us your yes. questions to podcast.jerryanson.com. Leave us a rating, that's a review and a rating. It is. It's no good just tapping the number of stars. We need you to no. write and say why yes. you're so passionate about listening to this that's podcast. Right. Write you something. Know, we know you're passionate about listening to it because we're passionate about making it. Uh, and so those reviews and those ratings are 
very rewarding indeed for they are. Uh, your your poor hosts whose yeah. egos are so often bruised by Oof. countdowns and listings and lack of award nominations. <laughs> yes, um, often. Anyway, excuse me. Oh no, um, I get the, I get the nominations. Yeah, I don't. It, it's the wins I don't get. Oh, I see. Well, we don't, I don't get either. Anyway, oh. uh, let's let's not damage my no, no. ego either. Thank you no, for no. listening, Posterons. Uh, sorry about your clamoury ears as usual. Yes. Um, give them a good dry out, and we'll be back in your ears for pod two hundred and fifty. Wow! Next Look week. Forward to it. Great. Two hundred and fifty. Amazing. God, amazing. We'd never have started if we knew it would go on this long, would we? Uh, you said it. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, goodbye. Bye bye. Are we uh, going to do anything special for the 250th? That's exactly what I was thinking. It's, I know. it's one of those things where it's sort of we've been yes. aware it's coming for ages, and mm. we've not really organised anything. No, we haven't. Now at we all. could. Mm. Hang on, could we? Uh, let me just have a look. Now, Plotting. first question: Plotting. Are you going to be well enough? Probably, yeah. Because we could go to the Moxie. Oh, we could, and we could have a couple of cocktails. Oh. And record the podcast and then have a couple more cocktails. <laughs> okay. Yeah, What'd that'd be great. Yeah, and invite some Podstrons along. Yeah. Do okay. the whole thing if they want to come. Let's, let's see what we can do. We'll, yeah, we'll work think on about it. That. That's nice. Uh, more on that soon. And thank great. you. And uh, no cake. And um, uh, No cake? Oh, I'm not sure I want to do it then. Well, if it's cake or cocktails, what do you want? Oh, fine. I'll be there. Good. See you there for a Tracy Island, a long Tracy Island tea, ice Tracy Island long ice tea. Yes, or uh, Brains on the Beach. <laughs> was that the best you could do? Yeah, it was off, off the top of my head, yeah. Ooh, okay, right. Or a slow, comfortable... Get right, okay, goodbye, time to go, ta Bye. <laughs> you have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.